Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. All right, Mr. Oaken, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Good to see you. You know, I was getting, I was making my coffee for the first half hour, so what did I miss? Oh, <laughs> you missed the greatest episode of Monty Python in history. Let me tell you. Faulty <laughs> Towers goes on the radio. Well, well Rohit <laughs> called it Faulty Towers, which is currently being shown on Singapore cable, Singtel cable. Steve, all I Go on, go on. Oh, go, I was just saying, just before we start, I want to give a shout out to Rob, because in the last, last week, he put in the chat that the best 20 minutes of radio in all of Southeast Asia was, was the three of us every Saturday, which, which leads to my question, how much radio is Rob listening to in Southeast Asia every week to do this comparison? Well, I'll just, I'll, I'll say to Rob, we've already been usurped by the previous 20 minutes because there wasn't, you'll never get comedy like that again. I mean, Steve, we were 30 seconds away from you holding up two tin cans and a piece of string. That's how close we were getting here. <laughs> If only you could get a piece of string long enough, Steve, to go from your house up to Topayo. Uh, that might be worth oh. investing in at some future day. But anyway, hey, it's all good. Uh, that's the that's the thing with live broadcasting. Stuff happens, and you just got to make the best of it and move forward. And let's move forward right now. Steve, APEC. Uh, the U.S. has said it will host the APEC conference in 2023. Why should we care? Well, I think we should care for, for a couple of reasons. And while APEC often gets you know dismissed as a talk shop, because it doesn't have any legal authority. It doesn't have regulatory authority. It, it brings the 21 members, and we call them economies because we can't call them countries because Taiwan is one of the 21 economies. So it brings the 21 economies of the Asia-Pacific region together. And when a country hosts it, it, it's really an action-forcing event for that country. It, it forces the country to actually accomplish things in its host year. So the last time the U.S. hosted APEC, um, the APEC business travel card legislation uh, was approved by the Congress signed by President Obama. Um, it also, when Singapore hosted APEC, it brought all of the countries together, and it was what eventually launched the, the TPP, which, of course, the U.S. walked away from, but, but Singapore uh, did not. So a lot of good things come out of APEC. It's very important, and with the U.S. hosting it, it's going to really force greater integration of the U.S. economically into Asia-Pacific, and it's going to help the Biden administration carry out their plans. Well, that was one of the issues we've talked about many times on this show, Steve, the perceived lack of uh, uh, communication with Southeast Asia initially in the Biden administration. I mean, how does this play out for Southeast Asia? And more particularly, what is the significance of this APEC summit in the U.S. for Singapore? Well, you're going to see an ability for what the U.S. and Singapore have been building on with Vice President Harris's visit here. Talk about we need greater integration of the U.S. digitally, and Singapore is going to be a linchpin of that. We need more resilience in our supply chains, and there are bilateral, um, you know, bilateral working groups between the U.S. and Singapore on supply chain. So there's so much that Singapore, in its role as, you know, being Obviously, you know, maybe the, not the smallest member of APEC may, may go to Brunei, um, but but being such an integral part of, of APEC, being a convening part, being a place that has relations with ASEAN, with China, with Australia, with Japan. And so Singapore is really going to be helpful in getting the U.S. to be able to hopefully actually do concrete actions on the economic front. Well, we will see. Uh, certainly, there's a lot more to come in the planning of that and the uh, the issues that will be on the agenda. We won't know those for for quite some time, but it is uh, another step that uh, not uh, not so. Uh 
veiled step that the U.S. is taking to try to show that it is engaging uh, with this region. Uh, let's move on to the Olympics. Ellen Gu is up and Zhu Yi is down. What a week for a Chinese-American uh, who are now competing for China uh, athletes in Beijing. Well, well, there's so many different storylines to unpack here. But I think the thing I, I, I've been focusing on is Eileen Gu saying that, you know, she has, a, 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 you know, a, a one American parent, one Chinese parent born in the U.S. competing for China. And she said, when I'm in America, I'm an American. And when I'm in China, I'm Chinese. And I think that's, look, I believe she believes that. I believe she has every right to believe that. And, and I believe that, that people should be able to, to be who they are, where they are, especially when we have, you know, so many people now of, of mixed nationalities. The problem is the politics don't let you do this. The politics mm. don't let businesses do this, and the politics don't necessarily let people do this. Um, and, and, you know, Eileen Gu has gotten into a lot of trouble, and we could talk about her, her Instagram comment. So I wish and hope she can do what she wants to do, which is be an American in America and be a Chinese in China. I don't know that that's going to be possible. And Steve, I mean, as Glenn and I were discussing, you know, the microblogging service Weibo, they've had to remove the best part of 50,000 posts so far because the xenophobia is getting out of hand. The, the, that's the ugly strain of nationalism is getting out of hand. I mean, simplifying a little bit, there's an element of we love Eileen Gu, you know, Chu Yi, go back home. You know, I mean, it's so, it's so binary, so black and white. Where do you feel on the fact that this is another example of some pretty latent xenophobic content that's coming out of China at the moment? Well, I, look, I think there's a couple of things. First, let's talk about the, the, the Instagram post. So, so when Eileen Gu said um, to her fans, they said, well, you know, they asked her in China, how can you use Instagram? Because you're Chinese. And she said, well, just get a VPN. It's literally free. So getting a <laughs> VPN in China is illegal. Yeah. Right? Having Instagram is blocked. And so now the Chinese are saying to, well, how come you can have a VPN? Mm. How come you mm. can be on Instagram when we cannot? And so that's not fair. And so you're not being Chinese in China. You're being an American Chinese in China. And now we're getting into that whole debate around her, which is very unfortunate because she says, look, I'm a skier. I bring people together. I make people happy. That's all I should have to do. But you don't get to do that. And then the interesting part on who's who represents who, you know, and I, I'm mm. a lawyer and we talk about forum shopping. You pick which country you want to you want you pick which jurisdiction you want to bring a lawsuit that's going to be more favorable to you. Look, Olympians forum shop all the time. You have people mm. who go from one country to another because maybe they're not good enough in the U.S. Correct. or in China. So they come to China, they come to Singapore and then they compete under that flag. I don't know how much of the the people will see these Olympians who forum shop is one of their own. Um, and I think I've seen that here in Singapore. I've seen it in the U.S. You're seeing it now in China. So I don't know, Neil, that that's necessarily a Chinese thing. I think that's a, wait a second, you're just here because it's easier for you. You're not here representing us. Yeah, just to add yeah. to that, Steve, and, just to jump in, Glenn, you know, I, I was going to make that point that this is not unique to China. I mean, it's happened in Singapore many times over the years, particularly with footballers. You know, this idea, this, this one-stop shop for vo uh, the foreign talent scheme, which has slightly right. quietly gone away. And it's not new in China either. You know, they've been importing uh, mixed-race footballers for, for many, many years with uh, different levels of success. Um, so you're right. Yeah, go on, Glenn. Yeah, no, no. Ju Yi as well was uh, was doxxed mercilessly mm. uh, because she fell a couple of times. She did not do well, and and so that those were those posts. Many of those posts were taken down that were uh, that were against her. Again, 
a Chinese American who decided to skate for China and was expected to do well. Uh, and, you know, sport is what sport is, right? People do well and some people don't. And, and she has just been um, uh, really at the mercy of, of, of terrible criticism uh, from uh, mainland uh, Chinese. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Look, we can't solve that one. Uh, we can't solve this next story either, which is uh, Ontario in Canada has declared a state of emergency over the trucker-led protests that are capitalizing, uh, that are uh, paralyzing rather not only the capital, but also disrupting trade between the U.S. and, and uh, supplies for the, for the car industry. Um, that at the same time that uh, the Philippines has announced its opening to uh, tourists again. So there's so many mixed uh, things happening in the world of COVID, Steve. Well, I think the one thing is that people are just tired and, and, and fed up with the, the COVID restrictions that they don't see either as being based in science anymore or that, that, that they see as infringing on their rights, saying, well, I'm not going to get sick. How come, how come I, you're going to tell me what to do? So this is not a Canadian thing, of course. It's not an American thing. It's happening everywhere. And you've got real economic impacts now. So you've got these truckers who have shut down trade. Almost 25% of trade between Canada and the U.S. has been shut down. You have car plants that are losing lots of business, lots of money um, in the U.S. because they can't get their parts in um, from Canada. But you're seeing these convoys that, you, that are blocking traffic in Canada maybe showing up in Australia, maybe showing up in the U.S. For whatever reason, culturally or or politically, whatever reason, it hasn't happened in, in Asia yet. But I'm wondering when these types of protests mm-hmm. may start to hit Asia, especially when you have a lot of restrictions in place that are differing now from country to country. Philippines, you don't need a quarantine. Why do you need a, why do you need a quarantine for five days in Bali? How does that make any sense? I, I don't know. Yeah, That's the fascinating point, Steve, that I'd really like to get your view on because, you know, McClarty Associates, you're involved with international businesses on a daily basis. What this looks like to me, this is the common theme that seems to be developing now. We have a tale of two COVIDs playing out across the world. Just to give two very obvious examples, the British government have announced this week that I think it's the February the 28th, all restrictions are gone. Every single restriction will go, including even isolating for COVID, can you believe? So if you test positive for COVID, you can go straight out again. No issue. So that's what the UK are planning to do on the 28th. Meanwhile, Singapore still has relatively tight restrictions. So our Money FM listeners and viewers will know if they go to LinkedIn, you're seeing this tale of two COVIDs playing out on a daily basis. Why can't Singapore right. open up? No, Singapore can't get complacent. But look at the rest of the world. Yeah, but look at their high cases. It's a fascinating dichotomy that's playing out at the moment, Steve. And how do you navigate that if you're working or involved with international business? I think the harder part is how the governments are going to navigate yeah. it because what everybody at first, all governments had the same thing. We're going to look at the we're, we're going to stop COVID as much as we can. Um, and we're not and we're going to ignore the costs that come with stopping COVID, because if we don't, the, what we're going to pay in the terms of death to our citizens is too high. But now what has happened is where that has come way down with different various with different vaccination and the like. People are now saying, look, there's a lot of costs to this having having COVID restrictions. There mm-hmm. are costs to businesses, there's cost to families, there's cost to children learning. If children, if you have masks in schools, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, and I'm not saying you should, but yeah. the, there is a cost if you have masks in school for young kids, they can't see the lips move. They can't 
understand how to speak as much and their development gets gets slow you know gets slowed down that's a cost is it worth paying to keep people healthy governments are are have to grapple with this problem they're grappling it with more and more it seems in the US and the EU and now you've got states doing different things and the federals doing it you haven't seen that discussion as much in Asia and I think it's going to be coming yeah when I was in the in the queue here at KLIA coming in uh, I was standing next to a gentleman who's been living in Singapore for more than 10 years he's Malaysian he's a PR in Singapore and uh, just coming home for the first time in two and a half years to see his wife and his children uh, and so we know that those personal human stories are uh, are equally important to people uh, as are the economic stories that you you spoke about and and as you mentioned, people are tired. You know, people just want to get back to something that's normal. But then again, we have record numbers of cases here in KL, you know, 20,000, over 20,000 cases yesterday. Wow. So there's that to consider as well. Um, so it's, it's uh, look, we're not going to solve this problem on this call today, but uh, it is something that everyone's thinking about from every angle, especially and including the economic angle. All but, right. But, that's, but I was just, uh, just to close that point, but are sure. they glad? Are they looking at, at all of the costs associated with it? It's easy to cut because it used to be one metric. How many people are dying? How many people are right. in the ICUs? And we're going to focus on that and nothing else. But there's a whole lot of other costs that are out there. Some of them are social. Some of them are education. Some of them are economic. And people now are starting to take those into account. And that's why I think, Neil, you're seeing such an opening in, in other places because they're recognizing the total cost not just mm-hmm. of the the upside benefit of of saving people's lives, which of yeah. course was the ultimate ultimate factor before. Well, we'll see if they're right or wrong. Right at the end of the day, we don't know, and, and we can't know until uh, this plays out a little bit further. All right, let's move on to our our last story of the day. Uh, a lighter look. A Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene triggered a bunch of viral jokes on Wednesday when she ranted about the Gaspacho police patrolling the U.S. Capitol building, apparently mixing up the uh, the former Nazi-era secret police with gazpacho soup. You don't want to mix we, up. <laughs> we used to have a, a rule in the United States, and that is, look, you don't ever, ever, ever compare anyone to Hitler or Nazi Germany, because this was, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just say the most evil regime in the history of the world. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people systematically murdered, slaughtered, genocide. You don't compare anything, anything ever to Hitler or the Nazis. You used to not be able to do that anyway. So now you have a, a congresswoman in, in, in the United States who not only is doing that, but is doing it incorrectly. And so, uh, the Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, and the Democrats have certain rules uh, in the Congress, and, and they're obviously investigating what happened on, on January 6th. And Marjorie Greene said that, that Nancy Pelosi and her uh, gazpacho police uh, were coming after Americans. Uh, of course, she got the Gestapo wrong, which was the, 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 the sure. police force of, of the Nazis. So she, but it's just... It's just so so frustrating, and you know. Although one of the one of the things I said was that next you're going to see that uh, it's a breaking news. Uh, Nancy Pelosi had the Hamburglar um, uh, arrested by the Gazpacho police and thrown into the goulash. So, <laughs> some of the I have to say, guys. I mean, some of the memes, some of the tweets have been fantastic. My my particular favorite was with the Gazpacho police. Every crime is a cold case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a big fan of that one. Big fan of that one. And, 
And so we, at least we can laugh, but, but, but it really is sad and troubling that one, somebody like her could get elected to Congress. Uh, and that two, it shows the utter lack of education that we have in certain parts of our, of our, of our school systems and that we've lost these societal norms that we used to have in place because you could disagree with somebody, but when you go to Nazi, when you go to Hitler, when you go to Gestapo, there's no debate there. there there's no yeah. discussion because there, there, there is no justification for what anything that occurred. And, I, and when you yeah. see these truckers in Canada um, saying that, uh, you know, Trudeau is like Hitler because I can't go to Tim Hortons and get a coffee because I'm not vaccinated. It's like, yeah. well, wait a second. <laughs> you know, we, we are not having a we can have a debate on the economics. We can have other debates. But but this is just really. Yeah, it's, it's way it's way beyond. And, and you know, again, people don't don't always appreciate or understand history. And many history uh, courses have been taken out of U.S. schools, for example, in favor of other things. So uh, this is a, a bigger problem than just uh, one comment by one congresswoman. All right, Steve, we do have to leave it there, but thank you very much. And looking forward to seeing you uh, next week. Be back in the studio. Good luck the next two hours. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.